Well, just a bit of clarification from the sermon last week. I used as an image the movie The Poseidon Adventure, and I also mentioned that if you would like to watch this with your kids, I think it would be a good way to start a conversation about a gospel metaphor. But I also said that you wouldn't find any Academy Award winning acting in it. And I was alerted right after the assembly. Someone came up and told me that Shelley Winters was nominated for the Academy Award for her role in the Poseidon Adventure. Another reason to watch that with your kids. <laughs> Learn something every day. Well, this morning, we're going back to sea. We're going back into a storm. But this is a different storm, and it is the storm that we read about in our Sunday morning Bible class. It's from Matthew chapter 8, if you want to turn over to that chapter. We're going to read that here in a moment. But I want to take you back to an image that I used a few years ago. And this is the image of Rembrandt's painting, The Calming of the Storm. I want us to just look at this just for a moment. going to have this up a little later when Troy comes and talks to us, but as you look at this, I have some questions. I have many questions. When Jesus calls us, where does that lead us? What is the nature of being a disciple, a student of the Lord Jesus Christ? What is in store for his followers? Let's consider these things as we open up the Word of God here in a moment. There are a lot of answers to those questions. And it can be a mixed bag depending on who you ask as to what these answers are. There's a popular answer to this that is it's really not new in American churches but it is increasingly under scrutinization. And it is the answer that comes from what we call the health and wealth gospel. And essentially, this is a teaching that says that if we have enough faith, then we will live the blessed life. Which is a true statement, as long as blessed is properly defined. The health and wealth crowd would say that blessing manifests itself in physical blessing and material blessing. If I have enough faith, then the sickness will go away. The bank accounts will remain full. In fact, they will even overflow. And certainly God does bless his people with health, really as a sign of the kingdom, and healthy bank accounts for wise stewardship. But are these things promised to us? Are they guaranteed? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, what we're promised is that God is going to give us what we need. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. The Father knows that you need them even before you ask. So, if it's not health and wealth that we are promised, what is in store for the followers of Jesus? 
Well, we get an answer to this in Matthew chapter 8. And Jesus answers this really in two ways. The first way is when he addresses some potential disciples. These men who say to Jesus, we're ready to follow you, and Jesus has some responses to them. That's the first way is through these responses. The second way is through an object lesson. Let's look at the first of these in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. Hear the word of God. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Well, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Well, we get some clues here. We get some clues with this scribe and with this disciple. The eager scribe, the hesitant disciple, eager and hesitant. Eager in the sense that the scribe has not counted the cost. It's easy to be over-eager to join something in which we do not fully understand. Hesitant in the sense of this disciple. Jesus gives him the cost, and we don't know, but perhaps this disciple can't handle that. The text doesn't say it leaves it open to the reader, but the point that Jesus is making is clear. There is a cost to discipleship. And what's required of his followers is what we find in the object lesson. The object lesson that Troy will take us through here in a moment. So, it's been over a year now since the Salouise team stood up here as three couples. And our children gathered around them and they sang the song that Anna Wiles taught them. With Christ in the boat, we can smile at the storm. And they sang it, and it was received by that team. But shortly after that, Troy and Lauren and Reef and Jonas and Lachlan and Poppy followed Jesus into a storm. A tremendous storm. A storm that really resonates with the song we sang just before the sermon. That cry to God for Him to be with us if dangers threaten. If storms of trial burst above my head, if lashing seas leap everywhere about me, they cannot harm or make my heart afraid. I've invited Troy this morning to come and speak to us. And he's going to talk about what it means for God to be with his people, even in the midst of great trial. So before he comes up, hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, 
and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? May God bless the reading of his word. Like Jolly, I have a question. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the disciples did? Jesus, wake up. Can't you see we're dying here? Don't you care? These men had heard the call and followed Jesus. They'd left everything. They left what was comfortable. They left what was secure. They left their families, and they followed him. And then he sent them out to sea into a storm that was sure to destroy them. Even though some of these men were seasoned fishermen and have seen a lot of storms, I'm sure, they were at a hopeless place believing they were about to die. But they'd been with Jesus, and they'd seen his power. And so they cried out, to him. Jesus, wake up. We're about to die. Don't you care? When we, when we put ourselves in their shoes, it's easy to understand their cry. But let's step back for a second. Why is this story in here? What is this story about? What is it t- supposed to tell us? This story shows the power of Jesus Christ. God, who stepped out of heaven and walked on this earth as a human, only so that we could know him more, only to give us closeness with him, to be able to relate to him more. That God, who was in heaven and created all of, all of the world, all of the powers of nature, and when we are willing to give our lives to him, and we step into his shoes rather than our own, and we walk in the steps of Jesus trying to become more Christ-like, that he can overcome anything, even when we have no hope, both for our good and for his glory. This story is not about the disciples. This story is about God and his power to save. So is my story, and so is yours. A little over a a year ago, I felt exactly the way the disciples did. We had answered the call, we'd given our lives to follow Jesus, we'd left all that was comfortable, left all that was secure, left our families, And he sent us out into a storm that was sure to destroy us. For those of you who don't know the details, a year ago in December, we were were getting ready to go with the team that's down there in St. Louis. We were getting ready to go with them on December 30th. December 16 came around, and while I was asleep, my artery to my spleen burst. I then was in a coma for five days. I spent the better part of December and January uh, in the hospital, uh, unable to move, nurses changing me in the bed, nurses taking me to the bathroom, nurses showering me, 
um, not, not able to do much on my own. My wife was by my side the entire time. People from church were watching our, our four children every day. They were going to different people. They were trying to make sense of what was going on, as we were. And my wife was working hard to minister to them and minister to me. And right before I was allowed to come home, uh, and I was walk walking with a walker in the hospital, and I took a fall, and my wife was very afraid to have me come home because she was, she was doing all she could. And it was overwhelming. And to have me come into the home, and now she would have to take care of me to be able to help me walk, to be able to help me manage the stairs, to be able to help me in all the ways the nurses had been doing, on top of all she was already doing. And it was scary. We were in a, a very stormy time. Even after we, we left, we, I've been doing therapy all year. Uh, and praise to God, I, I'm improving every day. Uh, but we've been through counseling. We've, we've had post-traumatic stress counseling. We've, we've, we've been trying to figure out what's next. During this whole time, we really haven't had a whole lot of idea of what the future holds. And... Uh, as we tried to figure out how to get to be a part of the team in Brazil we had planned for, we lived in people's homes still. We ended up spending about eight months in people's homes, uh, not really having our own place to, to be. Uh, and when it, when it became evident that we weren't going to be able to be a part of the team uh, in June, we still didn't know what was next. So we, we got an apartment and we have lived in that apartment since as we waited on God to show us a path forward. We had gotten to a... a very difficult place and we found ourselves in the same place calling out Jesus wake up don't you see what's happening here don't you care let me go back even further almost two years ago we stood here before you and we shared with you all of our plans what we were going to do how we were going to use our talents to glorify him how we had been prepared how we had been trained how we were going to make, we gave you a very detailed plan on what we were going to do, but we also shared a scripture with you, Proverbs 16, 9, and that reads, a man's heart prepares his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I can honestly say to you, when I shared that scripture with you, I had no clue what was coming. All we had wanted to do, Lauren and I, since 2012, when we believed we were called to the mission field, was to glorify God by sharing Jesus with as many people as possible. And that is what we prayed for. That is what we asked him to do with us. And now, it seemed like that was not only not going to happen, but perhaps we had made a mistake in choosing this path. What were we going to do? What's next? No job? What, what, what's the plan? Where are you, God? We were devastated. However, as we're here to talk about today, Jesus calms the storm. God calms the storm. While I was still in a hospital bed, still unable to do anything for myself, our preacher came and visited me, and he asked me, to be thinking about sharing with the church family our story, what was going on. And quite frankly, when he, told, when he asked me to do that, 
I thought, you are out of your mind. I am in pain. I am hurting. I'm broken. My family. My family is broken. And we are barely holding on. But we, Lauren and I, began to take note of what God was doing. And where he was showing up. And our life was a mess. And, in, in, and as March came along, we got up and shared with our church family. Even though we didn't want to. Even though it hurt. And we gave our testimony. It was not a testimony. It was not a feel-good testimony. It wasn't a happy-go-lucky story. It was a story about pain and suffering. And how God walks along with us in that pain and suffering. We didn't realize what he was doing at the time. That story was recorded that we shared, and it was posted online. And in the following weeks, that story, that video went to all of the places that Lauren and I have gone with our family to share uh, being a part of the mission of Jesus. It went to West Africa, it went to Mexico, it went to Brazil, it was translated in the churches, it went to several United States churches, it was sent up here, it was sent to Australia, it was played on Sunday mornings in, in Australia. And the comments that were coming out of the churches and from the people that were seeing it absolutely blew my mind. People were saying, my faith is renewed, it is so good to see God showing up in the hurt. It is so, so good to see God walking alongside people in the pain in this world that they have, that they have seen a miracle in God, God's healing in this day and age and it's amazing to them to believe that God is active now. When the doctors had called in the crash carts and when the doctors had called in the chaplains to pray me out and his people, our brothers and sisters, cried out to God, Jesus, don't you know what's happening here? Wake up. Can't you do something? And he did. He kept us alive. He kept me alive. And he has blessed our family beyond measure. In this past December, on the 16th, I was able to run a 5K race with a couple of brothers who ran with me in order to make sure I got through and my wife again posted this online. And again, the response was incredible. People were giving glory to God as is right for what he has done. That story got reposted and people were stating, if you do not believe that God is alive and active today, look at what he is doing in the life of the Gibbons family, in his story. And last January, as I mentioned, when I left the hospital on January 19th, I couldn't walk on my own. Just two weeks ago, I returned home from a mission trip in Mexico with my two oldest boys, where we were able to serve on a construction trip for orphans at an orphanage, and we were able to bless them in Jesus' name, doing construction of all things. God is powerful the very thing that we had wanted to do was to glorify God and, and to share Jesus with people. 
what he has done, how he has moved to make that happen, I could never have planned. I do not believe with any of my own plans I could have reached as many people in Jesus' name as he has reached through our weakness this year. It is outstanding. Our God is faithful. Our God is glorious. Our God deserves our praise. And we are honored that he would use our weakness to display his greatness in the way that he has. After my 5K race, Roger made a comment that reminds us whose we are. He said this, God's man, God's plan, unbeatable combination. When he is for us, who can be against us? Jesus told us very clearly in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. That is the world you live in. But he, he backed it right up with, you can take heart because I have overcome the world. He is our champion. He calms our storms. I want to take a moment to thank you guys for the prayers that you have offered on our behalf. I know I am standing here because people cried out to Jesus on my behalf. I, I can't even express how grateful I am for that. My family is whole. I'm healing every day, and I get to be with my family. God is so good. I want to leave you with a few words from a Casting Crown song. They sing this. Jesus is the only name to remember. I don't care if you remember me. I don't want to leave a legacy. Only Jesus. We've only got one life to live. Let's let every second point to him. Only Jesus. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is in work within us in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Troy, for blessing us this morning with that testimony. Let every second point to him, and that is what Troy has done for us this morning. I loved what he said when he said that that story of Jesus calming the storm is not about the disciples as much as we make it out to be. It is about God. It is about God's character, and it's about how God is present with us. God is here. Jesus was in the boat there in the storm. And Jesus is the one who has the power to calm the storm. And to Troy and Lauren, you've mentioned our prayers. You, your name is on our weekly list, and we lift you up. As a church, every week we think about you, and you are, you are family, uh, wherever you end up. And I know in a couple of weeks, uh, you're going to Australia, and God will continue to glorify his name through your family. Uh, so we come to the time of invitation. After taking all that in and taking in the, the testimony we just heard, 
one of the things that I might mention, it may have come out in your Bible classes, is the, the nickname that Jesus gives his disciples there in the boat. When he says, oh, you of little faith, that's actually a name, a little nickname, little faiths. You could just see Jesus. Oh, little faiths? I would have been right there with the disciples. I would have been a little faith. But think about the big story and the big picture. And Troy mentioned this about how God met them in, his, in their weakness. God did powerful things in their weakness. Think about the disciples and all that was accomplished through them with just a little faith. Well, this morning you may come here with just a little faith, barely hanging on to whatever situation that you're involved with. Maybe there's a trial. You have the opportunity to bring that before your brothers and sisters in Christ who are all too ready to walk alongside you, to lift up your name in prayer. We want to offer the invitation for those who have come to a place of belief to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, to be incorporated, to be adopted into the family of God by the power of God's Spirit and by His grace and His mercy. We also want to offer this time of invitation for those who have been immersed who would like to join with us in this and uh, what God is doing among us. If you would like to respond to the good news in any way this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.